What would it be like to hear an angel speak? I mean, how would so much love and wisdom express itself at such a high level? According to Swedenborg, who says he'd experienced it multiple times, it would be like numbers. Yep, numbers. Angelic speech can be directly translated into numbers. But aren't numbers kind of cold and confusing? Sort of the opposite end of the spectrum from poetry? So either the speech of angels doesn't really mean that much, or the alternative, maybe numbers mean even more than we thought. That they can be an expression not just of totals or ratios or patterns, but of meaning, process, and higher truths. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Swedenborg and Life. Today we're going to be talking about numbers and what Swedenborg thought about numbers. We're we're a niche program here, but hopefully we find something, as we always do, that relates to life as a whole and the broader human experience. Can we find the meaning packed into these little digits here? My name is Curtis Childs, I'm the host, and you can be part of the conversation, get your questions and comments in, and we'll answer them at the end of the show. And we're going to be looking at the meaning of numbers according to Swedenborg, and we're going to find a lot of those numbers, I'm going to say almost all of them, in the text of the Old and New Testaments. But that's just because Swedenborg was so focused on those texts. The meanings we find here should be applicable across everything. We will delve a little bit into other subjects too, but just to warn you, you're going to be seeing some Bible in here tonight and hopefully that you know that's been on your mind why are there all these obscure detailed numbers in the bible and what does it tell us and why do people feel the way they do about numbers is there more to the whole thing we're going to look into it and we're going to begin by investigating the inner life of numbers it's not just swedenborg i mean there have been people countless traditions across history that look at numbers as something sacred or something more than just tools for equations. Numerology is a term that's used, uh, and this is just, you know, we have this exclusive membership to this website called Wikipedia. You can go there, read up on it yourself. It's a blanket term that uh, just is about people who believe numbers have a particular significance. So we'll be getting sort of into Swedenborg's numerology here, and we're going to be sp- we're going to start at the beginning, and we're going to start with w- numbers one through twelve here. There's a lot of numbers; you got to pick some. But these numbers not only have individual meanings, but have meanings in sequence. That so the journey from one to twelve is actually the journey each of us take in our life. So what we learn about the way numbers follow each other is what we learn about the sequence of events, about the path that all of us uh, are on. So to begin, Swedenborg makes the point that in the text of the Bible, you'll find numbers. Uh, You will find meticulously numbered things. Here we have a look at some time-based numbers. You'll also see a lot of dimensions and directions. They'll say you got to build a temple this many cubits this way. Uh, There's a lot of numbers, and they're very specific. And Swedenborg makes the point that how is this divine revelation? If why go into this much detail about things that are no longer happening? Why take up so much time with those? He, he's saying that those, all of those numbers, 
are symbols for something. There's a quality of life expressed in all those numbers, but spiritual things can't be can't be expressed directly in earthly terms. They have to fall into correspondences. Spiritual things are not bound by amounts and numbers in the same way that uh, earthly things are. If you watched our last show, we were talking about distance in the afterlife. There's not like inches and feet there like there are here. There's the same appearance, but it's actually states of mind there. Swedenborg says that these higher spiritual concepts, when they're put into language, the earthly concepts of language, they appear as numbers. An example of this, because that could still seem a little bit uh, ethereal, like we're just playing with words rather than talking about anything, but here's, here's something Swedenborg encountered in his spiritual experiences, in his journeys in the spiritual world, where numbers very directly came out of heaven. Oh, I thought it was a video. I was all like ready to throw to a video. But uh, instead, it'll be a video of me talking because it's all a video. It has often been shown me that the spiritual things of heaven, such as those which the angels think and speak, also fall into numbers. When they were conversing, their discourse fell into pure numbers, and these were seen upon paper. They afterwards said that it was their discourse which had fallen into numbers, and that those numbers in a series contained everything they uttered. So, isn't that shocking? Angels. Their, their conversation can be represented by numbers, with, uh, just sheet with just numbers on I guess it's not that shocking because we already gave it away in the intro video, but pretend we didn't do that. You would say, what? He's saying that, that you can take the conversation of angels, and if someone's taking notes, they can hand you a sheet of just numbers, and they've, they've captured the meaning of the conversation. How does that work? I mean, that's something I'd like to know a little more about, and we wanted to know more when we were writing the show, so we pulled up another number about it. This is Secrets of Heaven 4264. Uh, he says, and this was surprising to him as well, he didn't think of this before he began having these experiences, to my astonishment, I have occasionally observed that when the speech of angels filters down into the world of spirits, so we're talking about two different parts of the spiritual world, uh, from higher to lower, it falls into rhythms of various different counts. Now, that word counts. This is the new century edition translation of this work. In other translations, that's been rendered numbers. So, if you think about translations kind of circling the actual concept, what does that say about numbers that they fall into counts? I have also noticed that where people read a number in the word, angels understand some attribute. Numbers can never reach as deep as heaven because they measure dimension and space and also time, and these belong to the world and nature. The heavenly counterparts of space and time are the states and changes in state. The earliest people who were heavenly and communicated with angels knew the symbolism of every number, even the multiples. So this symbolism was passed down to their descendants and to the offspring of the ancient church. People in the church today hardly credit any of this, since they do not believe anything holier to be hidden away in the word than what they see in the literal meaning. The church today, Swedenborg's talking about the Christianity of his time in the mid-1700s, but there he says that ancient people knew this numerical symbolism. These days, we kind of think of numbers in spirituality as a fringe thing if they appear at all. Some people will have numerology of various kinds, but you, you, sacred texts are text-based, and that's where you really get the profound teachings. Swedenborg is saying that from the ancient history of the human race, we have known that numbers can carry this really deep meaning in them, but we fell away from that because we lost the specifics on what they need. Not everybody, I mean, some people are very into it, but 
It's just kind of cool to think about this being part of the ancient math. You hear about the history of the development of mathematics in the human race, but you don't think about, uh, oh, how much did they mean to the spiritual life of people? And so Swedenborg talks about this further, and this one actually is a video. This is an experience that he had with numbers uh, in the spiritual world. This is from Arcana Celestia, or Secrets of Heaven, 10127. Spiritual realities are meant by all numbers in the word, as is very well known in the next life, where sometimes sheets of paper full of numbers are sent down from heaven to spirits below. Those spirits who receive influx from the Lord see in them a whole chain of realities meant by the numbers, just as if letters had been used. I too have been allowed on several occasions to see such sheets of paper, and also I have been told about certain of the most ancient people who inwardly lived in fellowship with angels, that they used numbers to embody matters of importance to their church and heavenly arcana, and stored those numbers away for themselves as a way of remembering. From this it becomes clear that all numbers in the word serve to mean spiritual realities. Is there, are there some kind of relics somewhere, or some sort of uh, sh- shrouds or shards of pottery, I mean, that we could find that would have numbers on them, and what, how would people represent numbers back then? But apparently this was, this was a custom, according to Swedenborg, that we know the deepest truths of religion, of spirituality, when to write them in these numbers. And this was from the people who, Swedenborg says, were, were living in community with angels in the deeper levels of their body. So they really understood deep truth, and numbers were something important to them. And this is a little further from Swedenborg about how numbers are communicated in heaven and across different heavens. This is from Heaven and Hell 263. I have also seen written materials in heaven comprising nothing but numbers arranged in a pattern and series, just like the writing of letters and words. And I have been told that these writings come from the inmost heaven, whose heavenly writing comes out as numbers for angels in the lower heavens when thought from the higher heaven flows down. I have also been told that this numerical writing enfolds mysteries, some of which cannot be grasped by thought or expressed in words. All numbers do in fact correspond and have meaning depending on their correspondence, just as words do but with the difference that numbers represent general entities and words specific ones. Since one general entity involves countless specific ones, numeric writing enfolds more mysteries than alphabetic writing does. I could see from this that numbers in the word mean things just the way words do. In this kind of writing in heaven, the number on which the following numbers depend in sequence is always put first, as though it set their theme, for this number is a kind of title of the matter under consideration, and the numbers that follow serve to delimit the matter more specifically. It's almost like the numbers are a bridge between higher and lower mindsets, that here uh, on earth we have texts like the Bible, and numbers can hold meaning for us. These are spiritual concepts uh, with an earthly container, because that's the best way we can understand them. But even within heaven, according to Swedenborg, higher angelic thought is manifest as numbers. And that numbers, did you catch that he said, 
numbers can communicate in ways that words can't because they can express generalities rather than just a few specific examples. So maybe some kind of underlying core principles rather than specific uh, examples or manifestations of that. And he says that numbers are seen in a lot of ways. It's not just on sheets of paper. They appear on the walls. They come down. Uh, it, this is the way you get like you know, communications from higher levels of thoughts. And so why numbers? Why are numbers a bridge like that? We thought if we're going to talk this much about numbers, maybe we should talk to someone who actually knows something about numbers. So we we asked a mathematician why why could why do they thought numbers uh, could be a communication tool. And this is actually somebody who's familiar with Swedenborg and Swedenborg's writings on the highest or celestial heaven communicating via numbers. So this is what she had to say about that. One of the thoughts was about the celestial heaven using numbers as their primary form of communication that seems obscure to us because we think math, math is hard is like a very standard phrase. And so we think, well, why would they speak in this language that sounds so dry to us, that language is very rich, but part of what makes language so rich compared to math is the connotations that can come with each of the different words that in we all think we know what the word mother means, but what mother means to me is a different thing than what mother means to somebody else. And the number three has a very clear meaning. We all can agree that we know that three means a particular quantity without any messiness. There's a clarity of thought in communicating through numbers that isn't true while communicating through language. And is it that clarity that allows numbers to be this this connector between vastly different levels of thought and of inter- understanding? And can numbers hold, how, how do numbers hold this meaning? And what is that meaning in specific? Aren't we going to tell you anything? We're going to get to it, but we just have a couple more setup, a couple more pieces of setup here to do. This is from Spiritual Experiences 5571. And he's going to lay out simple versus complex numbers here. When the numbers are simple, as for example, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, etc. to 12, and there, by etc., he means 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, then they have a significance according to those things which are described in the Arcana Celestia, which is another, the Latin name for Secrets of Heaven. And it's going to, those are going to be the numbers we focus on this week. But let's let's confuse you a bit here. When they are compound, they have another sense. For example, 90356 divided by 358. These signify God be with thee. <laughs> yep, that means God be with thee. And every single number, something. This, the sense named, however, is according to those things which are above referred to. Take 358 here. These numbers which are here and there determine the sense into such a series. They who are of that, i.e. celestial kingdom, understand immediately, in this without instruction, as if of themselves. Every single idea has its own number. In general, even numbers correspond to good as 248 and odd numbers as 39 to truth. We get our first specific there. Even numbers have some connection with good, odd numbers have some connection with truth. The two fundamental elements of reality and of the divine, according to Swedenborg. And uh, we're not of the celestial genus. 
well, maybe you guys are. I'm not, so I don't instinctively understand those high-level number combinations and what they mean. So we're going to start small. We're going to go from 1 to 12, look at the sequence as Swedenborg describes it, and from that you can't help dipping into some multiples, but there'll be other shows where we get more deeply into that, uh, those heavy mathematics. But before we go, one last hedging of our claims here. We're going to talk about definitions for numbers, but it's not like we can give you a definition for one, and one always means that. This is the, doesn't matter where you saw it, it, where it appears, it means that. It's not that rigid, and we actually see a parallel to this in modern mathematics, which Kaira had a few more things to talk, to say about. So even though we think of numbers as being very clean and very absolute, there's definitely been a shift in our perspective in the math world from thinking algebraically to thinking statistically. And in the world of algebra, when you're done solving an equation, you end up finding that x does equal 3, or that x does not equal 3, and there's really no ambiguity about it. But in statistical thinking, which is to collect much larger data sets that are a part of a whole, you end up saying, well, we think the true value might be three, plus or minus some small amount, but we don't know. We're only 95% sure for whatever that means. And we can create better data by maybe collecting larger data sets or being very clear in our bias of how we're collecting data. But still, we recognize in the world of statistics, we'll never really know the true value. And it doesn't even matter that we'll never know the true value because knowing the true value is not the goal in statistics. Having a window around the true value is the goal instead of actually finding out with an absolute certainty that x does equal 3 or x does not equal 3. And so that's a different approach that's been evolving, especially over the last 100 years. And that is a great parallel for our show as well. We never know exactly what we're talking about, but we have a sort of guesstimate of the, of the truth, and we try to shoot for that. And that's what we're going to do for you now with the numbers 1 through 12. So, with no delay, let's get into the meanings of the first three numbers. And remember... The numbers are in sequence because there's a meaning in the sequence. It's not just you. You could isolate individual numbers, but they're often what they mean is related to the numbers that are before or after them in just the counting sequence, or if they appear in sequence in a text somewhere, then it has to do with their order there. But I think if we're going to start, let's start with number one. Don't you think that's a pretty good universal number what is so what is a what can this number man that's a nice 3d i want to just hold that what does what can a number mean what's it like to have an inner meaning as a number swedenborg describes this in true christianity number eight. Oh yeah if you want to download this book for free click it free ebook free pdf you can read more about this uh, or any of the other stuff that we talk about here the recognition that god exists and that there is one god flows universally from god into human souls the notion that there is one god flows into our souls from god because everything that is divine as a whole and in every detail is god and because everything that is divine is integrated into a unity it cannot help but inspire us in us the idea of one god this idea grows ever stronger as god lifts us into the light of heaven in angelic light, the angels cannot force themselves to say gods. 
In fact, every phrase of their speech ends rhythmically on a single beat, a phenomenon that arises from no other cause than the notion inflowing into their souls that there is one God. And when Swedenborg talks about you can't say gods, there really is stuff like that in the spiritual world, that the spiritual world is based on thoughts and feelings. I mean, those are the primary drivers of action there. So there's things like you can't say a certain thing in a certain area because that area is defined by a sta particular state of mind and what you're trying to do is put something out it's opposite to that so it's it's like here you know trying to force something in when the air pressure is too great or something like that so there is no way to say gods in particular corners of the spiritual world uh, according to Swedenborg. So that's one meaning of one. It's a symbol of the the universal of the one God. However, also one is a uh, uh, number that symbolizes goodness. And the reason it symbolizes goodness or love is that love creates one thing out of many things. In essence, that's what love is. It's a joining of many into one. The more that the human race lives in love, the more that we become one. The more two partners love each other, the more they become one. The more that God and a human, you know, we, the more that we let God's love in, the more we become one. So one is this symbol of love and of bringing together. So that's what you get when you get one. And that's how we play the game. Now let's move on to number two. Swedenborg says that two means union or goodness. Uh, and it's union because two, right? There's two things. This is the the love and wisdom in God, or the, all the different echoes of that throughout reality. Two means union. However, like I said, it's a fuzzy box. Numbers don't just have one meaning. They can have multiple meanings. For example, you can look at two as two, or you could look at it as this. Three minus one, which is, wait, two. It's two. So if you're thinking about two as the number before three, two can actually be a symbol of toil and conflict because three, spoiler alert, three is this completeness. Uh, and two is when we're almost there. And to get to spiritual completeness, Swedenborg says, we have to go through toil and conflict on a spiritual level. So two can mean either of those things based on context. And the, the meaning of numbers changes based on context as well. So I already gave it away, but let's get to three here. He says that three means complete and perfect, and he actually goes into much more detail about three. This is from True Christianity, number 211. Three in the word has the spiritual meaning being complete and perfect, and also containing all aspects at once. Since the number three has these meanings, it comes into play in the word whenever these qualities need to be designated. For example, Isaiah went around naked and barefoot for three years. Jehovah called Samuel three times, and three times Samuel ran to Eli. The third time, Eli understood. Jonathan told David to hide himself in the field for three days. Jonathan shot three arrows to the side of a stone. Then David bowed down three times before Jonathan. Elijah stretched out on the widow's son three times. Jesus said to Peter that Peter would deny him three times. Jonah was in the belly of the sea monster for three days and three nights. In Gethsemane, Jesus prayed three times. Jesus rose on the third day. 
There are many other passages as well where threes are mentioned. They are mentioned when the topic is a work that is finished and completed, since such is the meaning of that number. So why why in those stories is three included? Is it just a detail? Is this a descriptor? Like, well, we're going to include this this detail that there were three things that happened here. Well, why don't you include every other detail? Like, what were the shadows like at that time of day? Why keep this number in there? Swedenborg says it's because that's an indicator of the completeness of state. And with regards to Jesus Christ, for what it's worth, he started his ministry at 30 which is a multiple of three, so he's got this three, but then he finished it, he was crucified at 33, so you're even more complete. So he went from complete to ultra-complete, and then Swedenborg says those those ages are symbolic of that, that's why they were there. Three can also mean, we're, we're talking about three as completeness, and it can also mean a fullness of state. Swedenborg talks about it in Secrets of Heaven 1825, where he says, the fact that three years old, so we're dropping into him, he's talking about something else. It doesn't really matter what he's talking about. It matters what he says about the number three. The fact that three years old covers all eras and conditions of religion can be seen from the symbolism of three in the word. Three symbolizes an entire religious era from beginning to end, so it symbolizes every state along the way. Consequently, the end of a religious era is symbolized by a third day, week, month, year, or age which all mean the same thing. Just as the number three symbolizes the condition of religion, it also symbolizes conditions in a religious person, and in fact, the condition of any feature of religion. Everything has got that macrocosm, microcosm situation there, that three can be talking about uh, on an almost human race level-wide uh, scale, or it can be within an individual person. How is the spirituality developing in you? I don't know if if this is true or not, but we had the thought when writing this show that Swedenborg talks about the spiritual world, and he talks about the entryway into it, the world of spirits, as everybody dies and is first brought into the world of spirits. And there, it's like this great sorting mechanism where you become who you really are deep down. So whatever you love, you shed everything that doesn't have to do with that, and then you go up or down depending on where you want to go. And he says, you can spend a while there, but not more than 30 years. And that's strange because he over and over again says there's no time in the world of spirits or in the spiritual world. So what does that mean? Is he saying 30 because that's a completion of state? Was that kind of a spiritual slip on his part to speak in spiritual numeric terms uh, when it sounded like earthly terms? I don't know. That's for Swedenborg geeks out there. Although anybody who's going to watch this show has got to be like, you're on a slippery slope to becoming a Swedenborg geek. Since you guys have been such a good audience, we're going to give you a free bonus. We said we'd just do the simple numbers, but we'll give you a decimal here. because we want it, This would lead us right into talking about three and a half. And this is a number that comes up in the Bible, although it's often in multiples, 12, 60 days, 42 months. Also, you'll hear the phrase time, times, and half a time. And you think about it, if three is completeness, three and a half, it means through to the end of something, to the beginning of the next phase, or to the end of one state, as Swedenborg often uses it to describe the former church in the beginning of the next, the new church. Swedenborg talks about a new church starting that will lead to all kinds of great stuff uh, for the human race, and that three and a half is like, all right, we've begun our new journey here. So, anyway, for what it's worth, that is, uh, there's your three and a half bonus. All right, let's move on. We predicted uh, that we would cover one to 12. We better hold it up. And after three and a half, 
it's time for some four. So I'll see you in section three. Part three, four, five, six. That happens to flow well. You got to keep your number blinders on because there's all these there's these numbers that are supposed to mean something, but you know our section numbers don't mean anything. Uh, the the numbers of Swedenborg quotes don't mean anything. So just pay attention to these the numbers that you see like that. All right, it's confusing. Number four. So what is four and how is it different? Let's read Secrets of Heaven nine four three seven, which again is another big number. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights symbolizes full instruction and full influence. This can be seen from the symbolism of 40 as fullness. 40 symbolizes fullness because four means what is full or complete. So, a couple of notes here. First of all, he'll just throw around four and 40 interchangeably because it's a multiple of four, and so it carries a similar meaning. And when we see what 10 is, you'll see that four times 10 has its own meaning, but you can glean a lot about what four is from what 40 is. Um, but he says it's fullness and completeness, but I think we just said that three was, was completeness. So, what's the deal there? First of all, you're going to have to get used to that in Swedenborgian numerology, just like good and truth pops up everywhere. A lot of the numbers, I'm not going to say they have overlapping meanings, but they're described in similar ways. And so it's up to us to get in there and figure out what what is the difference between a three and a four. Um, the first thought is that, you know, four rather than three being sort of related to a sequence, one, two, three, four is this sort of standalone completeness. Also, Swedenborg says all odd numbers have to do with truth and good numbers have to do with with love or not good numbers even numbers have to do with love or goodness so are we seeing a completion of truth in 3 and then a completion of love in 4 however on the reverse side of that you can see that 4 actually as it's used in the text of the bible often has a component of struggle with it for example, you have the Israelites uh, who are wandering in the wilderness 40 years. That's the penance they have to pay for their misinterpretation of the land of Canaan. Then you have the, the rains, the floods for the ark are 40 days and 40 nights. That, that symbolizes this complete trial. It's not three because three is this more happy completeness. And then there's Solomon's temple where there was a measurement that was, that was 40 cubits. All right, so that one is not about trial. I'm just, I'm telling you, it's a box. We're shooting for somewhere in there. It's context, context, context. That's like the spiritual wall side windows. That's what makes a number what it is. But there are these, there are these essential characteristics of each. And like two, the four is, you know, two times two. And like two, four can have an alternate meaning as well. And Swedenborg describes this in Apocalypse Explained 384. A fourth part signifies every good and thence every truth, because the number four signifies the conjunction of good and truth. And therefore, a fourth part, or a fourth, signifies everything of conjunction. This has been made evident to me by much experience from the spiritual world. For when angels spoke there of the conjunction of good and truth, or of love and faith, and their speech was determined into numbers, the number four was exhibited, and sometimes also the number two, or the number eight, or the number sixteen, because these numbers have a like signification. 
for numbers multiplied or divided by themselves have a like signification as the numbers with which they are multiplied or divided. That four signifies the conjunction of good and truth has its origin from the four quarters in heaven, in two of which, namely, in the east and the west, those dwell who are in the good of love, and in the other two, namely, in the south and the north, those who are in truths therefrom. Consequently, the four quarters, or the four winds, signify all good and the truth therefrom, and four their conjunction. And four also has to do with this conjoining together, because it can be made up from multiple numbers. And uh, there are many other places where four is mentioned, and there are many other meanings, but it, they all are related. It's not like there any of the numbers are completely interchangeable. Let's move on to five. Uh, give me five. There we go. Five is happens to be the number of digits in a human hand. And Swedenborg says that's where it gets its meaning from. This, this is a correspondence here as well. I'll use this one since it's a little more visible. Nice to meet you. Um, there are five digits on a hand, but you know you put up your put up your hands. This is just some. This is not all of what we have. So the number five means some. It means a small amount. And you see this in the Bible reflected in the story of David and Goliath. He takes the these five smooth stones. It's, the message there is that you only need some truth to be able to fight back hell. You don't need it all. And we'll see when we get to 10 why, why uh, the hands matter and all that. Again, we'll push it back there. Let's take a look at 6. We're on a roll here. So 6 is described by Swedenborg in this number of his which is Secrets of Heaven 737. Man, that's a lot of numbers. The symbolism here of 600 years as the first stage of trial can be seen from the numbers, major factors, 10 and 6. Again, we're talking about, we dropped into the middle of a conversation. Do you get how we're just trying to isolate the meaning of the numbers? Okay. Which are multiplied twice. If a larger or smaller number is produced by the use of the same factors, the symbolism does not change. The symbolism here of six as hard work and combat can be seen from many places in the word. The particular symbolism of six as combat or conflict is established by the first chapter of Genesis, which specifies six days for rebirth before a person turns heavenly. During those six days, the combat never lets up, but on the seventh day comes rest. This is the source of the six days of labor and the seventh of Sabbath, symbolizing rest." In some of the other occurrences of six in the word, it does not symbolize hard work, battles, or the dispersing of falsity. This is what I was talking about. It depends on where it occurs. Instead, it symbolizes the holy quality of faith because it is drawing a connection with 12, which symbolizes faith and all properties of faith taken together, and with three, which symbolizes holiness. From those numbers comes this additional positive meaning of six. One example occurs in Ezekiel 45, where it says that the reed a man was using to measure Israel's holy city was six cubits. There are other instances as well. The reason that positive meaning develops out of those numbers is that spiritual struggles have the holy quality of faith in them. Then, too, the six days of labors and combat look to the seventh holy day. It's not arbitrary that six has negative and positive meanings. It depends on what, what you're considering it in relation to. If you're considering it as this is a number right before seven, just like two was right before three, and seven and three are these two symbols of completeness, then you have this six that is 
we're almost there, we got to struggle through to get there. But if you're thinking of six as part of 12, then it's just part of faith. But even in the struggles of six before seven, <laughs> I'm really going around here, even in just six before seven, there is this looking back to the holy quality of what's going to be accomplished, or looking forward to the holy quality of what's going to be accomplished on seven. So it's, it's not arbitrary, it's just versatile. All the numbers are versatile. And if we're going to be here talking about six, I know somebody's going to be wondering about the number six, his famous cousin. So this is going to be our bonus number here, six, six, six. What's up with that? Probably almost anyone has heard the idea that six, six, six has to do with the devil. And why do people get that idea? It's from Revelation 13, verse 18. And it says, here is wisdom. Let, who is, who, let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. What does that mean? How do you calculate the, the number of the beast? I, like if that was a question on a math test, where do I start? What quadratic equation? How do you do that? It helps to know that number means quality. All these numbers have the spiritual significance of quality. So calculate the quality of the beast. So the beast symbolizing hell or evil or the devil. What What is that? What is the quality of evil? And Swedenborg says that 666 stands for all falsity and all evil together. And he goes into detail in Apocalypse Explained 847. He says, and his number is 666 signifies that its quality nevertheless is from all falsities and all evils therefrom into complex. This is evident from the signification of number as being the quality of faith separated from the life. Also from the signification of 666 as being all falsities and all evils therefrom in the complex. This is the signification of that number because six signifies all things and is predicated of truths and of goods therefrom, and in the contrary sense of falsities and of evils therefrom. And that number is composed of the numbers two and three multiplied together, and the number of two is predicated of goods and the contrary sense of evils, and the number three of truths and in the contrary sense of falsities. And a composite number has a similar signification as the simple numbers of which it is composed. This then is why six signifies all truths and all goods therefrom in the complex, and in the contrary sense, all falsities and all evils therefrom in the complex. That all these may be signified to the full, that number is tripled, and by triplication, the number 666 arises. For a thing triplicated signifies completeness and fullness from beginning to end, so here it signifies that nothing whatever of truth and good remains. <sighs> you get all that? <clears throat> Essentially, 6 is, is 2 times 3. 2 being all good, two being good, three being truth. So you put truth and good multiplied together, six is a, a symbol of all good and all truth. However, in the negative sense, it can be all evil and all falsity. You take that and put three of those end to end, you have the total package. This is all evil. That's the number 666. I just want to point out that Swedenborg doesn't even ever, with the complexity of this system that he's reporting on, he doesn't even have a book that's called The Numbers and Their Meanings. This is all just excerpts from places where he's talking about other things and says, oh yeah, this is how the numbers work. That's what it's like to try to get through Swedenborg. That He has these massive tangents that have dense information in them and that we can make a whole show just off of his offhanded comments here and there. Anyway, in case you're wondering about 666, that's what he says the thing means, or at least that's a part of the meaning of it. All right, 
let's get on to the next next section because number seven is a big one and it's going to be a lot more positive. So let's take a look at what it means. Uh, insert seven, eight, nine joke here. Why didn't six want to be next to seven or something? I've, I realize I've been missing a lot of opportunities to say number jokes as we've gone. All right, that's fine. We can fix it in post. Let's take a look. What's number seven? Number seven, there's a ton of meaning to seven. Swedenborg says it can mean what is sacred, holiness. A heavenly person is the seventh day. It talks about the Lord's rest. This is a state we try to get to when we are regenerating. This is the end goal of, of creation. Seven is a very important number spiritually, and it, as such, it's all over the text of the Bible. You can see there's um, uh, Noah. He waits seven days before he re-releases the dove. They're taking down the walls of Jericho. There's seven horns. This, from the book of Revelation, you have Jesus with seven lampstands and seven stars in his hand. There's a meaning. It's not just like, oh, that, that looks nice and, and symmetrical, or that's, uh, that, that's how he, he couldn't carry more than seven stars because they're gold. They get pretty heavy. No, it has meaning. And here we have Jesus Christ teaching people about forgiveness and 70 times 7. So let's look deeper into what that meant. This is Secrets of Heaven 433, where we see a bonus meaning of holiness and forgiveness. Swedenborg says, when anything extremely holy or positively sacrosanct was expressed, the words 70 times 7 times were used. The Lord, for instance, said that we should not forgive our brother or sister up to 7 times, but up to 70 times 7. This means that we should forgive as often as our brother or sister sins without limit or to eternity, which is holy. So there's two elements in that holiness. What, what is holiness? Eternity is holy because this is the outside of time. This is the, the home of the human race is a, a continuous existence, but also that it's holy to forgive an infinite number of times. Why is God holy? Because God is ultimately forgiving. God is this, is found in this number seven. Now, we've taken a lot of section time for the number seven, so let's give eight and nine at least a little bit of screen time. Eight, again, we have ourselves uh, in a fullness and totality. You sort of see this oscillation or this alteration of, okay, we have a we have a truth sort of one, then the good, that's the fullness of it. And you, you get this, um, there's this, in the Bible, it says the eighth day, like the week has passed, and then on the eighth day, this thing happened. It's, there's that tune that goes eight days a week that we know this is more than you really could do, because eight is this completeness. So eight also comes from two and four, which had that completeness, but the, it's them in a fuller sense. So eight is this completeness after this the seven, you know, is, is in progression. It's the next phase there. Also, nine, you have heard, may have heard of it, comes right after. It's, Swedenborg says, it's truth joined to goodness. So that what's the whole point of this progression is to join those two together. You can also think of nine as a leading to something, because if the numbers are in context, if you're just counting, you sort of place enf emphasis every time you hit a 10 or a multiple of 10, 39, 40, you know, so nine is this right before 10. So we're going to learn a little more about nine as we look at 10 in the next section. 
it's waiting for something to happen. You know, when you sing that song, it's like 99 bottles of beer on the wall. That's because you're waiting to get through something. So we have this waiting. You are all going to experience now as we play this graphic, the waiting for part five. So what is this completeness we were waiting for? And we're going to look at 10 and 11 and 12 as a whole unit. We're going to skim through them first, but then look at them as a progression, because these in particular go together. Uh, let's start with 10, though. Swedenborg says that 10 can symbolize the remnant, which that is a term that Swedenborg has a special meaning for, which is the storing up in us of everything that's good and holy. You may have watched an episode we did a while ago on the story of Noah and the flood, where I was talking about the remnant. I was saying, these are all the, look at me there, I'm doing the same thing here. Um, these are all the good things that are stored up in us. So I'm talking about every experience of love and truth that we've ever had, particularly, Swedenborg says, in childhood, all those wow, life is awesome, everything's so amazing and vibrant. Those are our reservoir of positive emotions that everybody, everyone who's ever lived has some sense of what love really is from these moments throughout life. And God is very carefully storing those up and uses those as we go through our hard things. That's what God draws on to pull us towards what's good and to keep us sustained. So this 10 can symbolize this remnant so that's one meaning of it, but it also means uh, another kind of, of awe, because we've been looking at it in sequence as this totality you reach after nine. And that's because, as I was just demonstrating, that we have ten fingers, that this is all of the, the tools for grasping that we have. And Swedenborg says, because of the shape of heaven and everything, ten fingers really has a deeper meaning, and he describes it here in Apocalypse Explained 675. 10 signifies all persons and all things. The reason that 10 signifies all things is derived from heaven itself. For heaven in the whole and every part reflects a human being and is therefore called the universal human. All the forces of life of the universal human or heaven close in the two hands and the two feet and the hands close in 10 fingers and the feet in ten toes. For this reason, all things of every person in respect to power and support are lastly gathered into ten fingers and toes. So these signify all things of the person. Moreover, ultimates signify in the word all. These numbers and their meaning, it's not just the text of the Bible, it's in, in everything, the, the, every human being is carrying around this symbolism, both in hands and in feet, and those actually have different meanings. Fingers and toes are similar, but different meanings, just like we use them for different things. So that is the nature of the, the depth of this symbolism. This is something that shows up all over in all kinds of things. And this, this using 10 as a tool to symbolize all-encompassing is featured in a very, very prominent place in the Bible, or at least a part of it that's become quite famous, as famous as any other part. You, you, you will see this at times in the United States posted in courtrooms, although there are like separation of church and state issues now where people are trying to take them down. I don't care either way. Um, uh, um, but the fact is, this 10 
in the commandments, that's a symbol as well as of this all, all-encompassing stuff. And we had a commentary from Dr. Jonathan Rose, who was translating Swedenborg's uh, commentary on the Ten Commandments, and he goes into a little more detail about what this, why is there, why are there Ten Commandments? What does that mean? He points out that three times in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments are actually referred to in the original Hebrew as the Ten Words. The Hebrew word word means a lot of different things. It can often mean things. Uh, it, it's a pretty broad, generic term. He points out that, first of all, there are more than 10 words in the Ten Commandments. That's obvious. But there's also more than 10 commandments in the Ten Commandments. There are actually 14 imperative verbs in there. Uh, why are they called the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments? That's because ten means everything and all, something all-encompassing. What Swedenborg says about the Ten Commandments is that they're called ten because they incorporate absolutely everything. I want to read a heading from his True Christianity. In their literal meaning, the Ten Commandments contain general principles to be taught and lived. In their spiritual and heavenly meanings, they contain absolutely everything. It's a powerful quote, and what he means is that the Ten Commandments encapsulate so briefly all the principles about loving the neighbor, all those rules about how not to treat other people and so on, all the principles about how to love God. And just on the surface of it, you see some very good principles to live by. On the inside, they contain just endless wisdom. And that is the nature of these texts, according to Swedenborg, that you can just take those Ten Commandments, and we've tried to unpack a few of them in this show, we'll, we'll hopefully do an episode on the Ten Commandments at some point, but in there are, are all the principles to live by, which you'd think, on the, in the external sense, doesn't cover, there's much of life that doesn't cover, what it does is kind of confusing, but Swedenborg is saying, this is a container, and within that container, these Ten Commandments is everything you need to know somehow, not that you can just read the surface of it and think you know how to live, but there's, there's something something in there. And that's what he says. I'm assuming if you guys are watching this show that you're numbers fans. And if anybody is from the 11 society or uh, chapter 11 or wherever you guys are, you may be upset at this next because we're going like, to basically skip 11. We're going to mention it. We're going to say 11's here. It is transitioning. You're, you're coming out of 10 into 12. It's also like, where are you even going beyond the completeness of 10? Turn it up to 11, those kind of things. We're going to come back to 11 in context, but for now, we're going to go to 12 because Swedenborg says that 12 means everything belonging to faith. And faith being not just religious ideology, but the life according to higher principles and what we believe. So 12 is this, the complete completeness, the most complete completeness of anything. You know, I said seven was there, but 12 is even farther beyond that. And because of that, you see 12 coming up a lot in the Bible as well. Uh, and there are multiple stories, 12 tribes uh, of Israel. You have the ephod uh, that has 12 stones on it. There's 12 disciples. These are, we put the zodiac signs in there. There's 12 of those. Is there a, is there a connection there? Some people have thought there is. There's even been a book written about, um, about the connection between Swedenborgian numerology and the Zodiac. It's by Reverend Harry Barnett's and Don Potts. You can check it out there. It's a 12 qualities of a spiritual mind. It's getting into the more connection there. But what, so what is 
12's fullness and why is that any different than 10 right and we said 10 was fullness and where does 11 fit in so as we're writing this show karen one of the people who's writing with us uh one of our writers had some thoughts on what's the difference of the quality between the fullness of 10 and the fullness of 12 because there's got to be a difference and what what does it mean why have these separate numbers in the first place so here is what she was thinking about that When Swedenborg talks about the three numbers, 10, 11, and 12, he says that they each mean all things or everything. And so it's interesting to me to think about, well, how do they each mean that in a slightly different way? And I I noticed that the number 10 seems to mean all things in terms of um, action and efforts and and action and efforts you know even in the collective sense of the actions and efforts of heaven they comes through individuals so i like to think of it in terms of indivi- our individual lives and the individual efforts and actions that we do and so this uh relates to things like remnants the the gifts from god in each one of us and our fingers and toes the way we walk our individual lives and the actions that we choose to do, the Ten Commandments, ways that we as individuals can uh, learn to resist certain things and do certain things to bring our lives into a good order, and tithing, the way we each realize that everything belongs to God. And then the number 12 means everything, uh, kind of bumping up a level to a mindset or faith, everything belonging to faith, and everybody who together is um, thinking about God and a faith and the, the bigger picture, the bigger perspective. So it's 12 is like all those actions and efforts and realizations in individual lives coming together into a collective and connected spiritual mindset that Swedenborg calls a church. And this is reflected in that imagery of the 12 gates to the city, you know, all these ways that people together uh, come into this mindset and the 12 tribes of Israel that together made one nation, or the 12 disciples that were each individuals with their own personalities and yet they worked together as a team. And so bigger picture, collectiveness. And then 11 is all things uh, overabundance from 10 moving towards 12. So like uh, moving, taking this all in terms of our individual actions and, and practices and relating that to the adding it to the collective whole and the bigger picture and um i like to think of this in terms of how can we think of this on earth and um people sometimes online have asked us uh what does it mean when i see on my clock the number 1111 (laughs) and swedenborg uh was living in the 1700s there were no digital clocks so he had nothing to say about that But I love thinking about it in terms of that we really are in a phase of transition here on on planet Earth, Um, moving from um, thinking that our our lives are just this individual little island of personal experience that's our own business to realizing that our lives are very connected with other lives. And you hear a lot of people talking that way these days saying things like we're all one and we're all connected and everything that we do has ripples that go out and affect uh, everybody else in in some way affect the bigger picture so i wonder and it's fun for me to think about uh when i am um 
noticing my clock right at the time where it's 11:11. is that a little alert or a reminder that we are in this time of transition between thinking just we're separate from everything to realizing no we're we're connected because even science is starting to realize that is starting to talk in terms of uh, unified field theory or realizing that even on physical terms things are way more connected than we thought so is 1111 a reminder like we're in transition we're we're trying collectively to move to this mindset of realizing that we're all one we're all on the same team so we all need to support each other and, and be part of uh, this awakening because that mindset is what can invite in uh, heaven on earth or the holy city New Jerusalem the, the golden age the new church that Swedenborg and many others talk about so love that that reminder like remember remember and facilitate what can we each do to facilitate uh, moving into this mindset the 12 mindset where we realize we're all in this together and we're all building a relationship with God that will benefit us all no relation coincidence you guys have been a great audience and because of that, we want to give you a bonus number. And we've been messing around with these little numbers, but let's get serious here. How about we go, instead of like three and a half, we go to 144,000. Is that a good enough number for you? Swedenborg, you, you may have heard that number. It comes from the book of Revelation. It says 144,000 will be saved. There are some religious organizations that have taken that very seriously. What is that number? What's it doing there? Are, are there really only 144,000 people that are going to heaven? How do you get on that list? That sounds like a good club to be in. Why? Those are the questions. Let's look at the answer. Revelation Unveiled 348. All this enables us to conclude that the 144,000 who are sealed, 12,000 from each tribe, does not mean that number that number of Jews and Israelites, but all the people of the new Christian heaven and the new church who will be devoted to the theological truths because of the good effects of the love they accept from the Lord through the Word. <laughs> That's like still pretty confusing. And a lot of Swedenborgian terminology there. Essentially, the new church is this state of love and truth. The 144,000 signifies all things and all persons who are in truths and good. It's because it arises from the number, the numbers 12 and 12,000. So you have these huge multiples in there. So it comes to mean the totality of good and truth. Because truth from good is three multiplied by four which is 12, because three is truth, four is good, kind of like that six, six, six. But what this essentially means is it's not, there's a specific number of people that are chosen for heaven. That is like an earthly way to think about it. This is a quality of mind. This is a state of love and wisdom. If you get to where you appreciate good and truth, where you want mutual love to lead you, then you're in heaven. That's what it is to be in the 144,000. The whole human race, a million times over, could fit within that 144,000. That is a state, that is a quality it's describing. And when we get to that quality, when we allow God to lead us to the quality of love and faith, we become part of the 144,000, and I hope to see you guys all there. I hope I make it myself. At least I can make it into like, you know, the 130-something thousand or just whatever the level is right below that. We're working on it. And 
if you guys want to study this more, figure out more than we did about the whole thing, that wouldn't be that hard. You're welcome to download those books for free. Again, you can study it more. You can figure out what it means. Again, there's context for everything. So if you feel like you have a bead on, oh, I think these numbers mean this, go for it. Study it. Learn better the human race. Whatever you do with numbers, if you choose to study it more, if you want to just leave it there, if you don't like numbers, any of those, we, we support you, we like you, and we just want to say here at the end of the show, all right, that's our show. Hope you liked it. If you did like it, like and subscribe, please, because YouTube is all about numbers. The more subscribers we have and the more likes and comments and, and views that we have, the more YouTube says, those are good numbers, we're going to show you to everybody else. So you can really help us out. And another form of numbers is dollars. Believe it or not, this takes money to do. If you want to make that kind of number happen for us. Here's a little more on why we do ask for money and what we do with it. We want the ideas and insights we cover to be available for free to anyone, anytime they need them. That's why we offer Swedenborg's books as free downloads on Swedenborg.com, and we produce this show and other content on our Off the Left Eye YouTube channel with no paywall or ads. The only way to keep this up, though, is for those of you who like what we're doing and feel comfortable giving to give. If the idea of helping others have easy access to the content we produce feels meaningful to you, please consider supporting this cause with a donation. Give if you can, receive if you need. If we cycle through this way, in the end, everybody wins. All right. A lot of number stuff thrown around. Did it make any sense? What do you guys think about it? Let's see what we got for the questions and the comments. Okay. First one. This is Mary. What about the number zero? Is it a number or is it nothing? Yeah, I don't know about the number zero. And I don't know if Swedenborg describes it in his stuff. Um, if all numbers are a state, I mean, there certainly is a state of not being or an absence. You know, there is, Swedenborg describes evil as an absence of good and truth or an absence of God in that situation. Is zero that? Zero has all these, look at all of its particular characteristics, like that it is able to make anything zero. Does that have to do with the way that you, can, certain ideologies can convince anybody, oh, this is how it is, this is how it is. It's a very demanding sort of number. Um, so I would say, yes, it's a number. If we're finding mathematically that things are numbers, they're numbers. I mean, it's all those decimals that we're finding, all these complex numbers. I think that's all in the larger system uh, that that has this symbolism in it. It's not just that the simple numbers are spiritual and the other ones are. I think everything we found in mathematics is meaningful, including zero. I don't know if Swedenborg says something specific about it, but you can check it out or I'll check it out and get back to you. All right, great question. Stumped me already. Next one. How do different numerical systems fit into this? It's cool that you're going up to 12. I read, I've read a base 12 system would be better than 10, but we use 10 because we have 10 fingers. Yes, and it sort of seems like uh, we were actually talking, Matt was asking before the show, what, what's the spiritual base system? It does seem like he kind of does a base 12. I mean, that, that's where he really describes these, and then other, he describes other numbers as multiples of those. He does say... The digits are important, but it seems to be that 12 is this capstone important number there. So I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a, if, if there is a base system, but 
there's certainly, it doesn't seem to stop neatly at 10 and then 10 you repeat. So perhaps that, you know, whatever you read was on to something there. So great observation. Okay, next one. What about 3.14? And I'm thinking you mean, you're talking about pi, 3.14159075194634791504. I only knew the first five. I was just guessing for all those. What about pi? Um, it's got to have a meaning because pi is such a significant number and it does things for us. It allows us to figure things out. And Swedenborg, I don't think he ever mentions the number pi. I could be wrong about that. I should really research this stuff better. Um, but you think about what pi can accomplish, you know, that, that pi lets us do so many things, but also that it's unknowable, that you can, I mean, that it's, that it's irregular, so you, you can't, or irrational, I mean, so you can't, um, you can continue to calculate it out, but you never just know that it's it's repeating threes forever. That it's always is that something about the mystery of divine truth? Because it's got to be a truth related number. It falls under three, which is truth, you know, truth or odd numbers. But then it's got the four, one, and the four in it. Um, so the answer is something. Go watch the movie Pi, and we'll figure it out. So great question. Uh, next one. Lisa, what is the significance of giants in the Bible with six fingers and six toes in 2 Samuel 21, 10, as well as in other places? That is a great question. We talked about six as a symbol of struggle and trial. I don't know if he mentions Samuel. What I'm doing with all these, because I can't, like, like I said, Swedenborg just mentions these numbers in places, and then we pick it out from there, so I couldn't have researched all this stuff. Um, but I like to extrapolate based on what we already know, because if it's actually a system, we should be able to figure it out. So what would we do with this stuff? Well, you sort of think uh, it's in a negative sense, there's a negative and positive, but these giants were not friendly characters uh, in general. So what is that? Six is this symbol of struggle and temptation. Is that some kind of symbol of um, uh, of the 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 um, antagonistic forces that they represent, and that these giants were a symbol of the struggles that we go through before we reach that. There were giants I know in the land of Canaan before the Israelites could settle there, or, or who were reported as giants. So is that like the hard things we have to get through before we get to this seventh heavenly place? The fact that it's fingers and toes probably has meaning, but I'm not gonna like. I've already made enough a fool of myself, so I'm gonna leave it where it is. Great question. Okay, next one. Uh, Francisco, is there a meaning in that there exists two genders? Um, yes. Well, Swedenborg says that the two, there are, it goes like gender is a reflection of something deeper, that there is divine love and divine wisdom, that God has these two elements, and that those, we, we've done a couple of shows about those, that there is like, it's like underlying essence and form, like these are the two aspects of God, and that these are, show up absolutely everywhere. Um, and that that we ha we get male and female as a reflection of as a complex reflection of that. Uh, two, he does say, symbolizes union, and Swedenborg says there's a potential for union in every detail of male and female. So it seems like pretty straightforward that there's some kind of meaning there. Uh, and you know, we make a lot of romantic comedies about it, but I don't know if we fully nailed down what the essence of it is, but we're trying. All right, let's look at more. Do we have more questions? A box has four corners. Is this like heaven? Yes. Well, to a cat anyway. <laughs> if you ever get a cat in a box, that's definitely 
heaven. But everything is a correspondence. So you should be able to know things about spiritual things. Like even we sort of think of modern stuff as like it's it's not sacred, it's just kind of secular, but there's meaning in everything. And I, there's got to be somebody out there, you get people who are, who are super into things. There's got to be some box collector that just loves boxes and is excited about, oh, the refrigerator boxes, these one guys, GE made this one refrigerator where they box in this special way. I've known people who are, who are like that about vacuum cleaners. There are people who collect all kinds of things. So somebody sees heaven sees the design of heaven in boxes. There's got to be something in there, because everything is reflecting, as I said before, this good and this truth from God in that way. So I think we end on that, the, the four-corner box of heaven. Great. Thanks, everybody. I really like those questions. Sorry, I didn't know more about them, but bleh, you get what you pay for, you know. Okay, we're going to be back next week. We're going to be talking about the different kinds of freedom. Freedom is not a simple thing, but yet it's essential to the functioning of consciousness. What's it all about? We'll see you next Monday. Bye.